Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, have you ever, you know when you ever start that, it's like, well, have you ever, I'm already thinking, have I ever, have you ever been paralyzed by fear? Okay, that's actually a funny question, because yesterday I was in, you know those, like, turnstile, not the turnstile, like, getting into a concert or a, a movie That's like theater. a tall, like a gate-looking yes, turnstile? Like one to get into the tigers at the zoo or something, right. you know, it's like a full-blown or, pris- or a prison. Yes, or a prison. Yeah, that would be better, but it didn't have barbed wire, but basically the yes. turnstile, and it was, I was going into a very high-security area and coming from the parking that's lot. That's scary that you were doing that. I know, that they allowed for me them, to go for in. For them, for them. Yes. And so you push this button that it, before you enter the turnstile and say why your reason for being there and they go, okay, and you hear a little click, click. So I, I then start the motion of per- pushing the turnstile and my body now is completely fully in this contraption of metal and it stops. So you're, you're stuck. You can't go forward. You can't go backward. Okay, I would have had a little mild <laughs> case of claustrophobia. And there's nobody around. So it's not like you can go, hello. Yeah. All you can do is try to figure out a way to get your hand through the bars to go and find that button that you initially pushed to, to get the security. So I'm, I'm doing It lost this. momentum, and it's rotating. Yes. And so I'm, I really am. I, I'm, I'm like trying to stretch my arm completely out and get that button. And finally I find it and I, you know, I'm moving my hand up and down, up and down, kind of like not panicking, but that there was that little verge. bit of a fear because I had to be somewhere too. Yeah. So I finally push the button and then I hear the security, you know, hello. And, and you're screaming, I'm stuck in the middle get of me the out of here. Style. So yeah, I, I can't say I was completely paralyzed by fear, but it was that that moment of panic. So. Well, fear fear is really paralyzing. When I mean, there's those searches. I, I, I let's type this over again. <laughs> I'm having a hard time talking. Okay, I'm just going to quit the fear thing right now because yes, I have a yes, fear of speaking right. right now. Before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, today we have Suzanne Hadley-Goslin, and she is the former former editor of Clubhouse Junior Magazine for Focus on the Family. She is also a regular contributor to Thriving Family Magazine and Boundless.org and the recipient of several Press Association awards for her writing and editorial work. Suzanne writes children's resources for David C. Cook, Zondervan, and Harvest House and is also the author of Faith Girls, which I loved that handbook for my own daughters, and 
uh, Let Your Light Shine Through, and is currently working on The God's Got an Answer for that children's devotional to be released uh, this January 2015. Um, Suzanne, you also have three children that you went ahead and decided to crank these children out in fewer than five years of marriage, which um, you kind of have a daughter-in-law with that same mentality that Mm -hmm. I am woman, hear me roar. Um, And your husband, Kevin, is a children's pastor. And you guys are on uh, the family fast track, and you know that this is such a blessing that you wouldn't trade for anything. But you live in Colorado, and you, um, like we said, you've written several books, but your latest one is called Expected Parents. Tell us a little bit about who you are, and obviously you have the history and the knowledge and the experience to write this book, but tell us what motivated you to um, even consider writing this book, because there's so many um, books out there for parents. Well, uh, first of all, Patty and Lisa, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talking to you. Um, And as far as the book, it was an interesting story. It was actually a team of people that came up with the idea for the book. Um, The parenting team at Focus on the Family, they thought there's lots of parenting resources out there for um, parents of toddlers and parents of elementary age and parents of teenagers. But what about the brand new parents that are just just going into parenthood and are even um, still in the pregnancy phase, um, wondering what to expect as they become new parents. So um, they gave me the idea, and uh, they said, we want it to be kind of like this great conversation with experts and parents who have been there and your own personal stories just to um, talk couples through this experience of expecting uh, particularly your first child, but I think it ended up having a lot of great information for um, parents who are having their second, third, or or even more children. Well, you, you know, you're, you're really hitting on a nerve here, because I remember um, when I had my first child, my son, I didn't crank him out like you did, um, <laughs> and I, I had never really, well, I've been around um, babies a little bit and kids, but not that much. And, I mean, this was several years ago when you didn't have all the, the, the information like you do today and the blogs and everything. But I, I distinctly remember, because you, you, we remember emotions that grab us. And I remember sitting on the hospital bed, and they brought my son into me all, you know, swaddled up and like, here you go, you know, you're, you're, you're released. And I remember looking at him, and at that time, I'm like, I just remember asking the nurse, and I had this fear, like, okay, now what do I do? I mean, in the hospital, you've taken him away, and you've cleaned him up, and you've done all this stuff for me. And now it's like, okay, so I started asking all these questions, like, okay, how do I know how often I need to feed him? How how much sleep does he get? When do I know when to put him down and, and when not? And I just remember her, she gave me this, like, this... I think it was an evil grin, but she gave me this grin and she goes, Oh, you'll know, you'll know. And she turned around and left. And it's like, I just remember feeling like helpless going now what? So I yes. think those emotions are so you, you get this precious baby. And for so many women, it's now what, what do yes. I do? And dads too. I mean, sometimes even more so for dads because they haven't had the experience of carrying the child and bonding during that pregnancy. A lot of the dads I talked to said, I I just felt totally disconnected until that baby was in my arms, and then it all hit home that this is my child. Um, and so we talk in the book a lot about what dads can do to bond with that baby even before it's born. 
And that's a great point because you are right. As a woman, we're feeling it. Our body so feels it. And we're, we are emotionally connected. And it is hard for the dad cause to, to do that. So that, that is a great point, even preparing the mm-hmm. dads for it. And, yes. and, and so many, I know even like my husband, he's like, I'm not a baby person. I, 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 I you know, and they, they're kind of awkward at first with it. It's like, I don't know, is it going to break or, you know, I mean, and yeah. for a lot of minutes, like when they get older and can re- throw a football with me, then I, you know, then I'll feel comfortable. But for a lot of them and, but then they, they learn really quick. But I think there's that, that fear, that hesitancy on, mm-hmm. I don't know what my role is here. Yeah. I remember my mom, there's six of us and I'm the, I'm the baby out of six. And, um, I would tease her that she, she learned and made all of her mistakes on the, on the first five. And then there was perfection by the last one. Of course. <laughs> of course. I, in your I perspective. Yes. But there is something to be said, um, that you really do learn, you know, she, she would always laugh. Like you just have to throw the first one away. Um, that you become even a calmer parent. You think you've got it all figured out on your, on your first one and you're going to be this, this great parent. But I, and I think I've raised all, I have three that I've raised them all three the same, but you can look back and go, "Hmm, no, you really don't. You, (laughs) you really do change. So what were some of the experiences that you had as a new parent that you just felt unprepared for? And you would love to share those, those tips now with our listeners. Yes. Well, I think for uh, moms in particular, sometimes you go into having your first child with this impression of who you're going to be as a mom. And that's based on people you know, or things you see on Facebook or your mother's experience or things like that. And so I know going into motherhood, I had this this great impression of the type of mom I was going to be. I was going to have it all together and be able to take my baby everywhere and be doing my freelance work in the morning while sipping my coffee. And um, the reality was it was very different from that (laughs) impression. And things come up with babies and, and their interruptions they're wonderful interruptions, but <laughs> they're interruptions. And so um, I always encourage moms to be flexible going into motherhood and allow, kind of allow God to shape the type of mom you're going to be. Try to not compare yourself to Facebook and the, what I call the mama highlights reel where you see the best of every mama out there. <laughs> and, you know, she takes the picture of her baby in the really cute outfit only seconds before the blowout. So... <laughs> or the great gourmet meal that she cooked for her husband, but maybe that's the only time that month. So you just have to remember that um, what you're seeing on social media isn't, isn't always the true story. And so give yourself some grace and be flexible to what kind of mom you're going to be. I didn't have it together as much as I hoped, um, but it was okay. And it worked out and I, I loved being a mom. Well, it is so too because you don't know what to expect. It's the, you're entering unknown ter- territory, and um, you know you feel vulnerable. It's like I don't know how I'm going to be or what I'm going to be, and um, and then and then the fear creeps in too. It's like okay, what is this all about? The unknown, but just being able to embrace. And it, you're so Patty and I were just talking before I got on the show about just social media and Facebook and how it can really be depressing to get on there when well, you're going yeah. through something and you see somebody else like you said doing their highlight reels and you're like okay I so 
am not there. Especially yeah. right now. I, I know um, I have nieces uh, that they, they have newborns, but there is, there are the pictures that are out there even in their Halloween, co- you know, they're already getting ready for these October and their little, their little cheeks are painted as pumpkins with a little yes. sun and you're like, oh, okay, everything is this like photo opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. we're going to have to take a, a quick break here, but when we come back, let's talk about the um, just the dynamics of the relationship with a spouse. Because some parents, you know, the, the relationship with your spouse changes when a baby arrives, and sometimes we're, you know you're prepared for it, and sometimes you're not, and you don't know what kind of changes. So when we come back from our break, um, Suzanne, let's talk about that and and what ways you know to anticipate the change, how to how to navigate through the change, and and really embrace it so it makes you stronger as a couple because of the baby not not divide you so we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to tackle this uh this subject we'll be right back This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it. Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show. We are continuing our conversation with our special guest, Suzanne Hadley-Goslin. And we were just discussing with Susan how um, just the fears of being an expectant parent, uh, which of course led to uh, social media. It seems like all all roads lead to social media somehow. And uh, before we, we're going to talk about a, another topic here, I, I really do think um, if you are on social media, especially as a new parent, or maybe you are wanting to be a new parent, and there's it's just so in your face as you mm-hmm. talked about, you're seeing everybody's highlights, um, to take a break and really, truly remove yourself from social media because that that can really mess with your head and spiral you out of control when you're just seeing, um, you know, it's already tough because you, we play the comparison game and, um, as much as we just pray, 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 pray that, uh, we, we don't do that. It's just that human nature to go, Mm -hmm. wow, this is what's going on. Look at what, 
the great mom. She's been at the zoo all day. Then she comes home and she carves pumpkins with her older kids. And then she has these photo opportunities. And then there's, you know, all these like beautiful pumpkin cupcakes off to the side of the picture. Served with the gourmet meal. Yes. And this cute little pumpkin apron on, you know, it's like, but uh, just even even talking about that, just navigating through the change, and that would be one is to remove yourself if that's just spiraling you out of control. But what are some of the other changes that you can do that um, make you stronger rather than um, dividing you with with your spouse? Well, we have a whole chapter in the book about that, um, and I keep saying we because I interviewed a lot of experts for this book, and one of them was Gary Thomas, who's the author of Sacred Marriage, and he offered some really great advice for marriages going into this stage. He said it can be one of the most pressure-filled times for couples, and so uh, my husband and I, we were only six months into our marriage when we found out that we were expecting, and uh, so we got started right away there, and so we were still on that newlywed high. Our entrance into marriage had been pretty trouble-free. We got along really well, loved spending time together. And so I think we went in a little naive to how uh, the baby would impact our marriage because we just didn't couldn't anticipate the the amount of work that it would take and um, my postpartum hormones and uh, sleepless nights and just all the different factors that would come into play that would kind of wear away at our relationship, even though it was really strong to begin with. So one of the things we talk about in the book is um, to really use the season of pregnancy as a time to connect as a couple and, um, as one expert said, shore up your relationship before the baby arrives. So for some couples, that might just look like let's be intentional about having date night, having good conversations with each other, and there's questions in the book to help facilitate that. Um, And for other couples, it might mean we need to get some counseling because we've got already some conflict going in our marriage, and that could intensify when the baby comes. So um, just using pregnancy as a time to be really intentional about your relationship with your spouse so that you can be at the strongest point possible when that baby arrives. And that's really a great point because it's focusing on each other during that time and getting your relationship off to to, to, a really strong foundation and you're prepared with it together because so many times we do, we focus on the baby and the arrival of the baby and we almost um, shift um, our attention from us as a couple to this baby and 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 so you know one at the cost of the other almost and that is such a good point because you do need to make sure you are strong going into it because you are going to have you're going to be exhausted and uh have those sleepless nights and and um you know you you just don't know so great point for that what are some um when you're saying that what are some steps that you would recommend to um just a couple like like sitting down and going here's some of our concerns together you know even I'll let you explain. What do you see? What do you see? Well, I think one of the biggest things that can come up is um, expectations, and expectations Mm -hmm. in each each spouse, and those expectations not being met. So I think talking through together how you envision the first three weeks of the baby's life going, um, how delivery day, um, the first few months. I think that can be really helpful because, for example, with uh, my husband Kevin and I, as I start, I shifted from being in the workforce for 10 years to being a stay-at-home mom, and I 
got really lonely during the day and felt very stressed out. And so I looked forward to when he would come home at 5.15 p.m. because I knew his job was over at 5. Well, I grew up in a family where my dad was able to come home every day at that time and just leave his desk at exactly at 5. But Kevin grew up in a family where his dad had to work late and would usually come home around 7. So to Kevin, if he worked an extra 30 minutes without letting me know, that wasn't a really big deal. But to me, as a new stay-at-home mom, it was a huge deal, and my feelings would get hurt over it. And so we eventually worked that conflict out, but it would have been a great thing to discuss ahead of time and kind of plan for and come up with a solution so that we wouldn't feel hurt or misunderstood. And that, that you know, what you're saying is so, it got, it all comes down to communication. Yeah. And articulating, and like you said, the, the unmet expectations are expectations. So, um, we will have expectations of our spouse, but we never verbalize it. So they have no idea there's these expectations floating around out there and we're responding to, and they're not meeting them, but we've never declared them. And so I love how you broke it down as, you know, what are the first three weeks going to look like? What is the, you know, and, and, and even how are we going to handle, you know, in the middle of the night? Um, and and with that, so I think those are just great things. Well, you know, I have to Oh, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to ask you, you mentioned shore, shore up your relationship. What exactly did you say with that? Because I was. Yeah. Um, well, to shore up your relationship is kind of to um, get, get your ducks in a row in your own relationship. So if there's already some problem areas, such as you don't deal with stress well or you're experiencing conflict in your marriage. Um, Greg and Aaron Smalley were some of the experts that I spoke with, and they were the ones who used that term. And they said for them it meant getting some counseling before their daughter was born because they felt like they already had some negative patterns in their marriage, and they didn't want those to continue and, and to bring that into their parenting. And so just I would say that just means strengthening your marriage as much as you can before the baby arrives, and if there's problem areas, um, working on those. Gotcha. So it's shore up, like S-H-O-R-E. Yes. Okay. I was like, shore up. Like pull, never... pull your boat to the shore. Pull your relationship to the uh, shore so it's not drifting out there. It's it's an ocean word. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yes. What is, what is We're deep. A, We're real deep. I know. I'm like, shut <laughs> up. Is that like buck up? Is that like, yeah. Yeah. So what is a baby moon and what did you experience um, during that time? Is that kind of like a honeymoon and then it turns into the baby moon? So <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like a second honeymoon. So um, when you find out that you're expecting that first child or actually my husband and I just went ahead and took a baby moon with every baby. <laughs> Um, but when you're, you find out that you're expecting, it's a little trip um, or special getaway that you can take with your spouse, um, kind of like a second honeymoon, just a romantic getaway. We went to the mountains in Colorado and stayed at a bed and breakfast, and it's just a time to, to focus on each other and dream about the future and spend some moments baby-free, um, just having a, an, a fun, memorable experience together. That is such a great idea. Okay, and which leads me to a question because sometimes um, people can feel guilty for getting away or leaving a child. How do you, what would you recommend with the guilt? Because guilt comes into our lives, uh, especially for women, very in a very 
profound, overwhelming way and hits in different ways. How do you, did you deal with that issue of of feeling guilty about something? And then what, what would you advise? Yes, I, I haven't felt too guilty about leaving my children. And I think that's part of, um, the way I was raised, my mom raised us to be very independent and she wasn't a very, um, I, I don't want to use this word negatively, but like a clingy mom um, mm-hmm. to us. And so that's what was modeled for me. So I haven't personally struggled with that, but I was just talking to a friend this week who said um, her, her oldest son is three years old now and they've never had a babysitter once. And she was talking about how she wished that they hadn't done that because it really has taken a toll on her relationship with her husband because they haven't had a date night in three years. Um, and they don't have family in the area or anything like that. So I think she was, I think she's feeling anxious about finding a babysitter that she could trust and just knowing that something could happen. And so I know that um, women go through that, but I think it's really important to find some type of solution so that you can have some quality time with your spouse. And, um, and you can say, baby, we're glad that you're here, but mommy and daddy's relationship is a priority in this marriage and through, I mean, in this, in this family and throughout your parenting, that is going to make a profound impact on your children because they're going to see the model of a good marriage. And that is such a great tip. Because yes, the the child they they take that all in. I, I actually have a, a friend that is exactly what you said, and um, you see how then their children respond differently when you even approach them. It's almost like they have that same distrust that the parents had with yeah. I'm not trust anybody with my child. So they're they're so much you know they're, they they. They're Klingons more so um, because it's not, you know, we can't just trust the world, which on, on one hand, it's a good thing. But uh, I think that's so important for your children to see mom and dad being together. Um, just that love that they experience will have such an impact on them because we're putting them almost in front of our spouse, which then they grow up thinking then they're also in, in front of God, etc. Yes. Yes. So very important. Um, my husband and I used to do a no, no room and when our kids and we would go in there, even if we couldn't go out on dates and we would plug them into a fun night, a video and popcorn or pizza or whatever. And they could not go into the no, no room. And I know people would go, that is so weird, but we love that. And to this day, my kids would go, uh, Mom, is the thing in the no-no room? Like, they still called it. Oh. <laughs> but they knew that was Mom and Dad time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I talk about in the book, too, I know there's a lot of controversy about, um, you know, whether the baby should be in your room and or whether you should get them into a crib. And I didn't want to get into that controversy because I know there's there's um, there's positives and negatives on both sides. But I said, even if that baby is in your room, um, find a find a little cubby area. One friend kept the bassinet in her large walk-in closet or something to just help you feel some privacy yeah. with your spouse so that it's not like that baby is always between you and mm-hmm. always with you. And I know that can be hard, but, but you can find creative solutions like the no-no room. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Suzanne, we so appreciate you coming and joining our show today. Um, and, and your book sounds fabulous, Expectant, Expectant Parents, 
And we want to just encourage, we have um, your site and we have the information on our website, on our homepage of how to find your book and how to find more information about you. So thank you for joining us. And we look forward to reading your book and, and talking, having more conversations about this with other women. Great tips. Thank you. We're going to take thank you so much. And when we return, we'll be back with our next guest, Robin Carroll. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planter's wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern. It's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to the show today. We have been talking about living fearlessly, and we went from living fearlessly as an expectant parent to finally going into that, um, I used to call it baby jail, but she called it baby baby mooning. So that, that even has a funny, you know, kind of like a, a honeymoon, uh, but Right now, we're even going to switch gears more. We're going to be talking with Robin Carroll. She's the author of 22 published novels and has received many recognitions and awards for her books. She was born and raised in Louisiana, and Robin is a Southerner through and through. Her passion has always been to tell stories to entertain others, which we love, storytellers. And she's an avid reader herself. She loves hearing from and chatting with other readers. When she isn't writing, Robin spends time with her husband of more than 20 years, her three beautiful daughters, and two handsome grandsons at home in Little Roth, Arkansas. So welcome, Robin. Thank you so much. 
Uh, Robin, I have to tell you, I've been to Little Rock, Little Rock several times, and I remember the very first time I ever went there. Um, I'm an avid swimmer, and going uh, to the lakes there, you could actually see the rocks, and you could see the bottom when you were jumping off of cliffs, and it was magical to me because coming from Arizona where it was all mucky and dirty, um, to, to actually have clear water in the lakes was beyond. So I, do you fish or, or go to the lakes at all in Little Rock? Uh, my husband's an avid fisherman, and we do have a community pond in our neighborhood, so we take our grandsons and our daughters down there fishing quite a bit. So, yeah, we, we enjoy the, the water here. <laughs> Well, I think it's the first time my sister actually realized, okay, fish are also in the same water that I swim in. And I, I don't think she's been back in the lake since then. But <laughs> pretty interesting that you can see the fish that you're, that you're catching. Well, you have um, just finished writing this book, Hidden in the Stars, and um, fascinating story. Tell us a little bit about uh, what took place in your life that even gave you this this whole theme here of um, fear and forgiveness and um, basically talking about a serial killer. So tell us a little bit more about that. I think in life, um, everybody has to face certain fears. And it occurred to me one day that um, a lot of time when we have a fear, we pretty much feel like we're silenced. Um, there's nowhere to scream out. We want to scream, we want to yell. We want to, to rage against injustices, and there's not a place for that. And that feeling that I came from is what inspired my character, who goes through a horrendous um, attack, brutal, where she's terrified, and she wakes up and literally can't speak. Her um, She's got damage. And so now she has to try to portray this fear and have a dream ripped away from her to survive. So she's got to deal with all that. So I wanted to show how our fear can almost paralyze us, but that we have to keep move past that in order to survive. Well, you're talking about the fear she was unable to speak. Now, were you speak, uh, was that like emotional fear that took her voice away, or was that a physical? No, it was physical. She um, is an Olympic hopeful. I mean, she's just made the Olympic team with the gymnast, and she goes back home before she starts her training to spend a little time with her mom, do some, you know, PR. And her mom was a prima ballerina with the Russian ballet um, mm. before she retired. So her mom knew all about this dedication and, and striving and the sacrifices made. And her daughter made these sacrifices and worked really hard. And this was her dream. She was about to be living her dream. And they are attacked in their home. And her mother's killed. And she... Her hands are crushed. Her uh, voice is damaged. Um, she has so many injuries. Um, I just, I mean, I beat this poor girl up because I needed her to be totally broken, not just physically and emotionally, but I needed her to be totally broken mm -hmm. and, and to show that she couldn't scream out. She couldn't yell. She couldn't really convey things. They had to be very um, creative in, in how the police could even help work the case. So I wanted to bring her from that point where she w she had lost her dream, she had lost her mother, she had lost her livelihood mm -hmm. all at one time, and how to go past that paralyzing fear to survive. 
Well, it sounds very intriguing and on so many levels. And you're dealing with the issue of loss. And, you, you know, you said the loss of a dream, the loss of a loved one. And loss is such a huge, um, well, I want to say emotion we feel when we have loss because we all have loss on different levels and for different reasons. And it's, it's not um, if, it's when we have a loss of some kind. And this one seems very extreme and, and you know, horrific. What are you wanting, I mean, to create this character, to create this scenario and this situation, and like you said, you beat her up. Um, what do you want, what do you want the readers to learn? What is your message there to, like, how to, how to navigate through that? Well, my character, my heroine, she's very strong in faith. And so that's what she falls back on, whereas the hero, who is the detective handling the case, he's very bitter and he's very angry at God because his partner has died. And he is struggling with that, and he's angry. And instead of embracing his faith and using it as the strength to get through, he falls apart on it, and he becomes a very distant person. But yet he sees her and her faith and getting her through the struggle, it kind of makes him reevaluate. So their story is how each person is different and how we deal with loss and we grieve our, the loss of our dream or the, the death of a loved one or, you know, the fear of this person could be coming back for me because that's all I read it in the book is they have to have, you know, police protection outside our hospital room because they don't know who attacked and they don't know why. And is the person coming back? She has this fear that she has to live with along with her grief and along with her physical struggles. And so this detective is really drawn to see that, wow, she's thriving despite everything. She's continuing, and what is the difference? And it's that she fell back on her faith. And um, I wanted to show that sometimes bad things happen to really good people, and it happens all the time, but that what others meant for bad, God can turn for good. And so that's the journey I take them both on, um, her actually living it and him observing it and, and the way she handles her life, how it changes his. Well, it's interesting that, I mean, like Lisa said, you really did beat her up, by the way. Oh, I <laughs> beat her. I, I beat her. I have um, the surgeon and the doctors that do my um, proofreading on for all my medical uh, parts of the book. He called me and he said, I just have to tell you, I've seen people come into the emergency room that have been hit by a truck that have less damage than what you did to this girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's my neighbor. So he said, I'm a little scared to be living this close to you if your mind works this way. But I really needed to, I mean, really beat her up so that there was no chance she would recover and be able to keep her dream. Well, the, the one thing with giving um, the, the attack also left her without a voice. And um, I know with Lisa and I doing radio and we also go around and speak different places. And there have been times where like days before we have lost our voice. And that's that's the most frustrating thing. And you're, you're just begging God, OK, please let me let me have my voice. And you're gargling with everything you can get your, your hands on. So to lose your voice is so frustrating. And I know even in the, 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 the days like leading up to a conference or, or somewhere where we're going to speak where you're trying to save your voice and you feel it going, um, 
you feel like you're missing out on so much. There've been times where, you know, we've even been at parties prior to, or the night before where you're having this big fun event and you're going to be speaking the next day. And so you're kind of yelling a little bit or talking a little bit louder over the voices and you can't talk. So you can't participate and you don't have as much fun even. When you feel helpless. Yeah. And you just feel like I'm this non-entity because I'm not participating. So, um, what, Without her having a voice and to be able to see that she has this strength and, and, and just her faith is obviously just pouring through, um, you know, she's leaking it. How is she able to present her faith without having that voice? Well, not only did I damage her voice in her attack, I also crushed her hands. So she couldn't even write. So that was that was an interesting interesting aspect because I wanted to really show she had no way to communicate. She had to depend on someone else. So the police bring in a a lip reader to translate what she's saying. And from the very beginning, we have, uh, I wrote her having a little bit of a sassy attitude because I know when I'm hurt and I'm just devastated, sometimes I get a little short and it comes across with a little bit of attitude. So when he's talking slow, the lip reader kind of laughs, and she said, she says, yes, she understands you. English is her first language. And so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of they build that relationship together with the lip reader, and it's a little bit of a journey for the heroine as well because in her competitive sport, it's very competitive, and while um, her fellow teammates are just that, their teammates, there is a competitive edge. Everybody wants to score at least at one point higher. Mm-hmm. So... This is a, a female she can bond with that is not in competition. So it's really a true friend, and it's kind of her first experience with that. So she not only has to depend on this person to translate her words and get them right, but she has to depend on her sometimes to help even feed her. Um, because if they're in a, they're doing an interview or working on something and it's time for her to eat, well, the nurse can't come in and, and work on that. So it, it's really showing that, and and as she keeps going on, you know, as she says things, you know, and she tells the the lip reader, and the lip reader is a friend of the detectives. So he's pretty, she's pretty much saying about the faith, and and you know, you know, she's praying and and things like that. Um, it kind of is by showing, and not just always, you know. You hear a lot of times, don't beat somebody over the head with your Bible. So she's actually the true epitome of that. She's she's living it and and keep going on and not getting bitter about it and that's that's a strong that's a very powerful thing to see well Ron, we're gonna have to take a a break here but this book and the premise and the characters sound very intriguing and so much to learn from them and 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 so many metaphors for life and losing your voice and just how vulnerable you feel like you said you really beat her up and it made her so vulnerable and dependent on other people and yet through that you you've allowed her faith to be strong so we can learn there's so many lessons here to be learned from the characters and when we come back let's talk about um some of the characters that you identify with and even this detective who's watching this and struggling with his own faith because there's so many of us that are 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 like him we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with robin carroll
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions? in both their business and personal lives. Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show. On Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back and we are talking about living fearlessly. And today we uh, have Robin Carroll, author of the Justice Seeker series and also executive director for ACFW. And Robin has currently just finished a book called Hidden in the Stars, where we were discussing um, how this character is showing her faith. Um, truly by her actions rather than her words because Robin beat her up so badly that uh, she, she, she has no hope. I'm not going to ever mess with Robin's, all I've got to say. Don't, don't write us in your book, okay? Uh, no, but this is truly a fascinating story, and I, I love um, the twists and turns and uh, just the, the whole um, dynamics of living this way and feeling so vulnerable and having to rely on God, even with the fact that this person, um, this serial killer, could come back at any point, and how we all have these weird fears that we live it, live with, and so many times we, we don't even know how to claim it, we don't know how to put the boundaries on it, we don't even know how to give it over to the Lord, and it's it's like that frog that you put in the in the pot where it slowly starts boiling and before you know it and like you said this detective now has allowed the things that has taken place in his life the loss to um turn into bitterness and uh it happens in such a slow shape and form and the next thing you know you are this bitter person that you're waking up and you're choosing to go one direction rather than you had the choice to um to live out your faith so we were um, just leaving the, the last uh, before the commercial and talking about this character. So tell us a little bit more um, of how or just what you want your, your listeners to, to walk away with in seeing her faith. Well, not only did 
I, I beat her up. And now she has a new friend, but she also has feelings for the detective that start growing um, because he uh-huh. stepped into the role as, as such a true alpha male. And he's a protector. So naturally, his instinct is to protect her. And and she finds that extremely comforting. And I put in a family figure for her. I put in a grandmother that she didn't know was still alive. Um, all her life, she had been led to believe that her grandmother was dead. And then she finds out that her grandmother's been alive and, and has really lived very close to her. So she has this battle of forgiveness right there because... Um, she has to deal with the fact that she was basically lied to um, and that she had family there. And, and then to un- unravel why her mother would keep this from her. And then when she finds out, it's quite a shock to her, which makes her even want to alienate her grandmother that she just found again. So as she works through that, this is a, a great witnessing tool for the hero to see is how she is struggling through all these facts that have come to life and she's choosing to forgive and she's choosing to allow her life to go from this point forward instead of going, oh, this happened to me or you did this to my mother, you did this to me and these men did this and, and, to, and to uncover why these men targeted them that she wasn't the target, her mother was. And so it goes back to the three generations of sacrifice and because she finds out her grandmother had sacrificed for her mother's ballet career and her mother had sacrificed her ballet career for love and then had sacrificed her own happiness for her daughter's career. So how each of these women in their, in her life sacrificed in different ways, some right, some wrong, but yet she emerges victorious because she does rely on her faith, and she chooses to make the best of every situation. You make some great points here. First of all, choosing. We all have a choice how we're going to choose to um, deal with a situation. Like, and, you, and in this book, it sounds like you've given to, like, you know, you have the detective who chose to, to become bitter, and he's really struggling with it. And you see um, the other one, you know, not taking a victim mentality, but allowing her faith in God, choosing that over than allowing the circumstances to define her and, and to determine her emotions and how she handles it. And that's a great distinction because we all have choices and we can choose these, you know, how we're going to respond. And then the other thing is you're bringing up um, just the generational thing and, and the, and the, um, just the relationships of women and, you know, of a mom and a grandma and, and, and a daughter and a, and a granddaughter. And there's so much um, there to unpack because um, threads in our relationships and in our family. And when you look at a situation or you look at something, there's always so much more below the surface. And yet we stop short of digging deeper. So you as a writer um, developing these characters, developing this storyline, that has to help you in life because you have to go deeper to create the plots and and to really develop that. Talk to us a little bit about just dealing with a situation in life and, and how we can really go deeper to get to a root of something. Well, what I tell my, my kids, and a lot of things is when I'm writing, um, I never start out with a spiritual aspect. That's never part of my planning. Um, I, I do an in-depth interview with each of my characters, and I really um, know what happened to them from birth until where I start the story. And I think that's 
that's me getting to know them and getting to go through all the layers of who they are and why they are and why they believe the way they do. And from that point on, then they kind of take over when I start writing. Um, the spiritual aspect, I never really plan. Um, I pray right before I start writing it. I'm like, okay, God, whatever you need me to put in here, you need to let me know. And sometimes I get it really good, and it, it gets really fat. It's right at the beginning, so it's great. And then sometimes I don't get a feel for what the spiritual arc and aspect is going to be with my characters, and I start writing, and I keep writing, and I keep writing. And finally, near the end, I'll realize what he wants, so I have to go all the way back and start weaving in. And I found that a lot of times that's God teaching me something. And um, so I'll go and I, I tell the girls, and like with um, choice, I tell the girls, it's always you can control nothing nothing in this world except how you react and so you have that choice how you're going to react you can react in bitterness you can react in anger you can react in grace however whatever reaction you do it's your choice and so i think sometimes people need to stop and realize um what it is that they want and it's it's digging into you to find out in your heart what you want to do, and I, I, I don't think any of it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm one of the ones that I'm all for righteous anger. But I think you have to understand where it's coming from. And nine times out of ten, this anger and bitterness comes from hurt. And is this hurt justified or is it perceived? And so I really try to put that into my characters. And each one felt so motivated correctly for what they were doing. But when they were exposed to another way to look at it, it might have changed the way they were acting, they were thinking, and their whole thought process. So for me, that's what I always try to put into my characters is that everybody's, you know, they're entitled to how they feel and they're entitled to how they act, but how they act can affect others. And so that's what I really push in my characters. Well, you're so right because a lot of times we don't realize the ripple effects that our action stuff do have on others around us. Well, um, and that and that every single thing is a choice. Like mm-hmm. we we say that all the time, you know, hey, those are choices or you yell out to your kids, make good choices. But even you choosing to be on this radio show, I that that's when you really break it down. It's like you take a phone call, you're choosing to this is how I'm going to take my time frame and I'm going to choose to take this phone call. I mean, when you really think of all those choices that you know, you are the sum of, of these choices and you, you, it makes you realize you can make a difference in your day by adding all those choices up. And we just don't even realize the impact of that. Oh, definitely. And it's, it's always, it's always that choice. And, you know, I tell my kids, you know, you're going to feel things that you probably don't want to feel in life because you're going to get angry or you're going to get upset or you're going to have your feelings hurt. And I guarantee you before, you know, you get to my age, you're going to have your heart broken a couple of times, but how you choose to deal with that. And I tell the kids, my kids anyway, to embrace that, embrace that. That doesn't mean you have to act out on it, but embrace that feeling because that's what makes you who you are. And if you can take what you're feeling and whether it be right, wrong, or indifferent, and you can take it to God and say, okay, this scares me, or this makes me upset, or this has broken my heart, he can heal it. Mm. 
Well, and um, I, I have a question. We only have a couple minutes, so we have to take a break. And you have been delightful, and your book sounds you, – you have us. We're holding on. want to read about this because it, it's not just a story, but it's a story we can all learn something from and tap into, which makes it very significant. I want to know how you got the title, Hidden in the Stars. Well, actually, it's off the um, quilt pattern. Um, it's the hidden star pattern. And um, when I started writing, it actually was a different title. And um, my editor came to me and said, you know, we really think we ought to put it, you know, hidden in the stars. And it kind of fits so perfectly because the quilt is a central part of the story. There's a clue to a murder right there, and it's hidden in plain sight. Hmm. And, and that's so true in life. There's so many things that are... They're right there. They're just hidden. And we, if we just take the time and the energy to really investigate and to see beyond and not just stop short, it's amazing what is out there for us to discover. Right. Exactly. Well, well, Robin, we just have like two minutes. Is there something you would like to say? And how can our listeners um, find you and find this book? Well, I'm easy to be found. I'm at www.robincarroll.com, and that's R-O-B-I-N-C-A-R-O-L-L.com. Um, you can order the book straight from my website if you visit the bookshelf. And I'm also on Twitter and as Robin Carroll and Facebook as author.robincarroll. Well, thank you for challenging us and um, just challenging us with how we use our choices and and how we respond to situations, um, no matter how horrific they may seem, that there is still a God who's in control when we're not. And faith is, can sustain us through anything. Just great reminders again. And, um, and just how we really do affect those around us and how our choices and our decisions and how we live our life and how to respond to our life. And even when we feel like we've lost our voice, whether physically or we just don't have the influence, that we can still use our life to make a difference. And so great reminders for us. So thank you so much, Robin, for joining our show and taking your time. And, um, just keep writing. You know, you, you really do have a gift and, um, you, and can't wait to read more of, of your books and even, and even this book. So, again, thank you for joining us today. And just a reminder, fear, we've been talking about fear today. Fear consumes an enormous amount of our energy. And many times it robs us from becoming who we were designed to be and become. Um, we just want to challenge you just to become just the person God created you to be, and that's fearless. So have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.